With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Friday night Bible study on TalkShoot. Glad to have all you folks there in the chat room. It's good to see the number picking up in the chat room. I appreciate you being there very much. And I also appreciate the ones that's going to download, too, as always. How you doing, Brother David? Good, Pastor. Looking forward to the show tonight. Amen. It's not a program, brother. Program. It's not a show. It's a program. Yeah, program. <laughs> I know. We're, we're, show, we're showcasing the Word of God. Oh, yeah, yeah. You could put it that way. Amen. Even then, you don't need to showcase it, but that's neither here nor there. I just don't like that word because it's a Hollywood word. Yeah. That, it sounds like you're uh, putting something over, you know. Yeah, that's exactly what it, it sounds like, brother. And now I want to steer as far away from that as I can. Anyway, folks, tonight we're going to be in part four of the timeline of deception and some of you that's um, been with the first three parts probably wondering about what about this timeline well it'll be a little bit clearer as we um, get closer to bringing this thing up to the present Lord willing well I told you at the beginning it was going to be jump back and forth and back and forth and talk about quite a few subjects because they all tie in and if you had it all written down with all the episodes, all the specific dates and and subject matter that happens during these dates and sat back and looked at it and then looked around at the world today, you would understand that every bit of it has been pertinent. But anyway, before we get started, Brother David, if you would open us in a word of prayer. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you again this evening with expectancy and with open hearts, knowing that you again will speak to us as you always do faithfully as we open your word. We pray that if there be any sin in our life that causes us not to be able to fellowship with you in the Holy Spirit tonight, that you would bring it to our remembrance now that we could repent of it. 
And I pray that for everyone who's a guest tonight, and all those that download, that the Holy Spirit would come upon them as they listen to this tape, and that you would teach them, teacher. In the name of Jesus, I pray that everyone would come away tonight with new knowledge, with new understanding, with new revelation, and to be changed to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So be it. Amen. Amen. Okay, Brother David, you're in the book of Enoch. By the way, folks, we're going to um, go back and start off in the book of Enoch. Again, we're going to read some passages in chapter um, 18 and on up into 27. I want to go through some stuff in the book of Enoch. Again, disclaimer, I'm not claiming this is the canon. I'm claiming that where it doesn't disagree with the word of God, you can take it at face value. Okay? That's what I'm saying. We know it was quoted in the New Testament. We know that the church fathers, all the the Antinician church fathers, had a copy of the book of Enoch. We know that from church history. And they all quoted from the book of Enoch. It wasn't until later on that the book of Enoch was cast aside with the post-Nicene fathers. So um, we're going to spend a little time in it tonight before we go to Genesis chapter 11 and pick up with... Um, Nimrod. But before we even get started in that, I, I, want, I want to make some comments about a, a few things we've already went over. And before I comment on that, I want to say this. For you Christian ladies out there that love the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to tell you how much I appreciate your prayers. Okay? I really and truly do. This whole, you know, Macho said, you know, this, I'm man, man, man all the time, macho this, macho that. But before I've made mention and, and expressed my gratitude about good godly women. Folks, ladies, you can do one of two things if, you, if you're married. You can either make your husband or you can break him. One of the two. You have that power. You have that power. We could go to Proverbs chapter 7 and read what the Lord had to say about the uh, adulterous woman, and we could break it down. There's a spirit that a woman has, not the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about that, but there's a spirit that a woman can get that can absolutely either destroy a man or build him up, one of the two. And for you godly ladies out there that build up your husbands, and I'm familiar with a couple and that are very godly women. And I thank God for them and their prayers mean so much to me that there's no way I could say how much. One of them is Sister Julia Greenup and the other one is Brother Tony Adams' wife, Sister Sue Adams. And I, when I get comments from them and things that they say, I don't open my mouth, I listen to what they got to say because they have stood behind their man and kept their mouth shut and did what they were supposed to do. And they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to give them uh, a little kudos because that's what the book says to do. If you read, if you think I'm making it up, just go to Proverbs chapter 31 and read. I don't I don't do nothing unless it's scriptural, folks. 
or I'll tell you I'm doing something that's not scriptural. She's praised in the gates. So I'm doing a little praising right now. Amen. For those ladies. I don't know any of the other women, so I can't do that. If I knew the other women for any length of time, that they're download or whatever, I would do the same, whether you liked it or not. I would do that because it should be said. There, a woman's job is tough, especially a married woman. Now, a single woman, you you talking about tough. In this day and time, it's tough. It's tough. The Bible is very plain about it. Paul tells you about the busybodies going from house to, to house, being led away with every wind and wave of doctrine. Tattlers. Talks all about it. Paul warns against it. Tells the way it's going to be in the last days. That's the chapter it occurs in. First Timothy chapter 4. Each woman has that ability to wind up being a Lilith-like creature. And she has to fight that. Therefore, she has something that um, can affect her that a man don't have. Not only does she bounce things off both sides of her brain, and a man don't, but she has she has the extra special um, attention of Satan has from Genesis chapter 3 onward. That's why the Lord puts such... Um, Severe punishment on the lady. And ever since, everything that's been done, especially since about 1950, all the Jewish feminist movement, all of the um, women's rights, all this gender crap, all all this junk. Folks, the Jews, yeah, the G, did the Jews do it? Yes. Are they the only ones? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's a spirit, okay? Now, if you can spell S-P-I-R-I-T out of J-E-W somewhere or another, I sure would like to know how you do that, okay? I know that the spirit hangs around that bunch that, uh, a whole lot more than it does the rest. I, I, I'm going to be the first one to tell you I know that. But that spirit will attack the female because she is the weaker vessel. First Peter chapter 3. And if she has the hidden man of the heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, as her sovereign ruler in the heart, she'll turn around and treat her husband like the Lord Jesus Christ on the outside, as much as within her physical capabilities. So, single ladies, you got a rough road to hoe. If you've got anything flaring up on the back of your neck now, say, hey, we'll talk about you right there, you've just proved my point. And I'm not trying to be mean at all. I'm not trying to be mean at all. Because you will prove the Scriptures and the Lord Jesus Christ right every time that stubborn spirit pops up. Every single time, all you do is say, all, all you're doing when you do that is saying amen to the Scriptures because opinion doesn't matter. 
That's what the book says you'll do. And when you do it, you're just saying amen. And at the same time, you'll be saying oh me at the judgment. And you know, this week they talk people talking all over the radio about this Bruce Jenner. I don't even know who Bruce. Who is Bruce Jenner, brother David? Do you know? Excuse me. Who was Bruce Jenner? Uh, he was a Olympic athlete, and I forget what he excelled at. I'm pretty sure it was running. Oh, and decathlon. 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 Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah I remember it now. From the seventies. Yeah. Right. He was right. On the Wheaties box. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I remember who. I remember who it was now. So he had this gender crisis. Folks, that spirit of the world affects anybody that doesn't have a guard up against it. There's a reason in just 50 years things have went as bad as they've gone. All right? And if you start trying to say that the only reason it's that way is a Jew, you're a fool. The Jew just, hey, Folks, just because where a pile of crap is, flies are there, doesn't mean that flies create the crap, okay? And I speak reverently. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Just because a stinking bathroom, dry, you see flies lighting on the door, it doesn't mean that the flies are the one that created the stinky bathroom. That should have been a better, better way for me to say it. You understand what I'm saying, Brother David? Yes, I sure do. Yeah, the only people make the mess. Uh, they can be motivated by different things, but it's people that do it. No, I don't understand what you said meant there. But anyway, what I'm saying, folks, the only way that wicked can prevail is for good men to do nothing. When the light dims, the darkness moves in, folks. You can extrapolate this out any way. I try to make it so simple that any child can get it. I mean, so simple, it, it sounds stupid to even say it, but it's just rock-solid truth. The less light you have, the darker it is. Duh. The main I, motivators for evil are demon spirits, well, not I, the Jews. Well, absolutely. They just congregate around it, therefore they get the... <laughs> you know, that's what I was saying, brother. Yes, exactly, and they are the ones that in their Talmudism and so forth, worship Lucifer and those that don't who are caught up in their religious practices through the centuries have these demon spirits associated with them through the bloodlines, through their parents, and it's that handed down thing from generation to generation. Well, they're the seed of Satan. Of they're the, they're yeah. the seed of Satan. I mean, they're, they, like, they love their daddy. They like what mm -hmm. daddy does. Therefore, they mm -hmm. congregate around it. Yes. And anyone who partakes in their activities will also uh, be alighted upon by these demon spirits. Absolutely. But keep in mind, let me bring, I know there ain't nobody bringing this to your attention, but keep in mind, though they be children of the devil, they're half Israelite. <laughs> I, I, let me say it again. They're half sons of God. They're half, they're God made Eve, Okay. Mm -hmm. And half the genetic code is from God. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. See, everybody forgets that. 
I wonder what that means in the long run. I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. In other words, what I'm saying is you got both genetic lines in one person. You see what I'm saying, Brother David? Yes. Yeah, we we don't know the actual mixture. Uh, originally, it was 50-50, but we don't know what it is for everybody right now. Oh, absolutely but, not. Yes. But just like, for example, the Anakim, the Nephilim, they were 50-50 perhaps, and they were rejected by God. That's but right. But now there are Jews who aren't 50-50 that might only have 5% That's correct. angel or That's, 2%. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. And if you, there's an extra canonical book. I forget. Well, wait. Do you folks remember who that um, Abraham went and dealt with about, I'm fixing to shock you now. But do you remember who Abraham went with and talked to and negotiated over buying um, the grave site, the cave at, at uh, Machpelah? Yeah, I wasn't, wasn't it an Edomite? Oh, no. And, oh, no. It was a Nephilim. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was probably a half breed, half animal, half human. Just thought I would throw that in. Hey, don't just stop and say, you're crazy, Spears. Go check me out. Run the lineage, okay? Mm -hmm. Run the lineage. You might be surprised. A lot of the people ain't going to tell you that, folks. I just thought I would spark your curiosity. But anyway... Good men to quit doing stuff, darkness flies in. And like I said, just because you, you, what they say, look who's behind all the wickedness in Hollywood. Well, listen, folks, the Jews ain't never hit a lick at hard work in their in their entire existence, okay? They can't farm, all right? They don't, can't till the ground. They make their money con jobbing, pawn shopping, and pornography and wicked stuff where that stuff is. You're going to find them there every time. <laughs> and they're wonderful at lying. They all take an oath called the colony. The, the Orthodox Jews take an oath called the Colonidry Oath. Oh yeah, With and the colon and the, the Colonidry Oath allows them an excuse, no matter what a quote unquote Gentile or Goyim's uh, questions are. The the Jew can lie out their teeth. Every die, every to their dying breath, they can lie, and in their eyes, they're still expunged from telling the lie. Yes, but it's not only the Jew that has one; it's also the hierarchy in the Catholic Church that believes if if they that they can lie to the heretic Protestants and get absolution from it. I didn't know that. I know the Jesuits did. Look it up. Look it up. And and, and that ain't all. The Islamic bunch, the same stinking thing. Guess what bunch is the only ones that still say a lie is a lie, no matter who you tell it to? Christians. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Check it all out. Don't you take my word for nothing. 
That's right. We're the only bunch. We're the only bunch. Hanging and still pushing the law of God. (laughs) Because it's written in their hearts. Anyway, more power to you godly women. I love you and I appreciate your prayers from uh, the depths of my heart. Because more than likely you've already saved me much pain and much trouble already by your prayers. We won't find out till we get to glory. But I appreciate them very much. Usually when you get a praying woman, hey, she's not one of them five-second jobs, all right? Most praying women take it seriously. And they'll think it all out. Like I said, they use both sides of the brain. And they'll play that thing out in their mind. And they'll, you, and they'll, they'll get in touch with God. They mean, most of them mean business. That's been my experience. I've had two. I've been intimately involved with two of those kind of women, godly women. And all I can say is they were wonderful, period, and I wasn't. I could vouch for them. I'll vouch for them till the day I die. Saying how much I know how much they love the Lord Jesus Christ. I know how much they tried. Anyway, anyway, enough but to talk about the ladies. I appreciate you very much. Another thing I wanted to make mention of before we get into this, I mentioned last program about the Earth being flat, and I said I'm not going to go through a bunch of details. You look it up yourself, prove it to yourself. All right. I, and I did more study on it this week, and I can tell you this. The Bible, and I said this last program, I'm going to say it again. The Bible says it's flat. It, the Bible says that we live in an enclosed area of flat land. That's what the Bible says. The world's the one that told you it wasn't. Okay? Now, proving it to yourself, after after all, and I, I caught myself this week two or three times calling the earth a globe. I caught myself doing it two or three times. That's how it, once that stuff gets ingrained in you from a child upward, of course you're going to keep on thinking that way. So it ain't no big deal that you still think that way, but prove all things. And all means all, by the way, in First Thessalonians 5.21. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Problem is here, the only, way, the, the only way you can prove it completely would be to get a ship and start sailing east and just keep on sailing straight. And, say, and get two ships together at the, at the Arctic, Antarctic, and have them at the face of the ice there and get them to sail or go in two different directions till they met or whatever happened. That's the only way you could do it. Other than that, you'll have to go with a private balloon, a camera that doesn't have fisheye lens, or you can do the measurement deal on a long stretch. And folks, it don't matter which direction you go. It's always flat. The horizons are flat. They're not curved. The boat that goes out across the ocean that you think you see it going over the the curvature of the earth, 
All you have to do is just take your binoculars and sticking them up to your eyes, and there it is again. It didn't go nowhere. That's just like looking at two railroad tracks. For a long distance, they seem to merge together. That's what. That's the kind of trick your eye plays on you. Same thing with a ship going out to sea. But you can do the measurements on a long stretch, eight inches. It should drop eight inches per is it eight inches a mile or eight inches every 16 miles, Kevin? Per mile. Per mile. And, and then it compounds. And then and that's right. Then it compounds. Folks, see, this is what I don't understand. <laughs> this is, anybody can test that. Well, if that's wrong, then everything else is wrong. You don't have to go no further. Because if the Earth is 25,000 miles in circumference, and it's a globe, like we all believed in for all these years, for 500 years, then the, the uh, measuring and the 8-inch drop every 16 miles, and then extrapolate that on out, then it, that's, that ought to be all you need. Because if every if you can look for thirty miles and still see something, folks, something's wrong. Okay, <laughs> somebody's been lie, lying to us. That's the only way we can prove it. See, and like I said, unless we get in a balloon, go up and do all that stuff up in the air, and, and I don't know anybody's got that, that money to do that. Now, if I had somebody to fund it, I'd be glad to do it for them. I'll risk my, I don't care about myself. I'm absent from body's present with the Lord. I'll do it. I'd go to Antarctica. I'd go anywhere. If they want to put their money where their mouth is or their idea is. But we've been lied to about so much. It just, I, I, I got to thinking about this week about lied to about this. Lied, and it's not just the conspiracies, folks. It's lied to about so much. And if you look around, if you pull yourself back from this stuff, like, you know, the hit, the ones that wins the wars writes the history. There's the history that gets published. Like like Hailstorm, you know, like the German history, how, how demonized the German people were by the history writers after World War II. Well, just think, that's something we know. Well, you have to think about the other wars. Think about what the Romans wrote about who they conquered. The victors write the history, folks. It's their view. That's the reason you have to be careful buying into what the majority believe. It's the world that told you that the earth was round. As bad as I hate to say it, the Catholic Church didn't even tell you that. The Jew didn't tell you that. Copernicus was not a Jew. Galileo was not a Jew. And this is one of the biggest lies in human history. And it was a necessity that it was brought forth, and we'll get to why it was a necessity that the earth had to be round and there and, and had to be an outer space problem. I'll, we'll get to that later on. It had to be done. For the very end time, it was it ha it was a necessity. You 
you know, I got to thinking this week, this, this the the um the idea of the flat earth or the enclosed earth is gaining steam out there, folks. Some of the heavy heavy hitters, and when I say heavy hitters, I'm talking about people with a lot more money and a lot more influence than Brother Don has. They're going to have to address it pretty soon. Some of them out there, they got uh, either that or just hope it goes away. Because it's getting more and more and more popular. I mean, one of my Baptist brethren picked up on it. I saw uh, YouTube by him. He just got into it uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it's blowing his mind. But he's honest enough and open-hearted to check it out. No matter how much he believes the Jews God's chosen people. A lot of the heavy hit, somebody's going to have to tackle it. They're going to get put on the spot, and some of the people are going, it's going to have to be tackled by some of the media-grabbing head honchos somewhere or another. Some of the radio hosts, it's going to have to be, it's going, they're going to have to tackle it unless, it's just, unless they just run the other way and continue to keep ignoring it. It's not going away this time, folks. It's not going to go away. I do not believe. I may be wrong. But I'll tell you later on in the program tonight, probably, or the next program, I will show you why it was a necessity that the world became round and we became just a flying rock in a a, um, never-ending universe. I'll try to tie that in on this timeline deal, starting about from 1940 onward. But the world told, hey, love not the world, neither the things are in the world. Has Brother Don, have I, have you ever heard me take the world's side as long as you've been listening to me? Or has Brother Don made you sick talking about it all the time, how much you should go against the world? Now, which one of those are true? See, I know which one it is. Because friendship with the world, folks, is enmity against God. That's what James, Brother James says in James chapter 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? So whosoever shall love the world is not a friend of God. See, now then the mind immediately goes to cognitive dissonance and starts trying to figure out what you believe the world is. Well, I believe the world is this, see. Or I believe you'll go so far, and then you'll say, but this is not, I don't consider that the world, see. <laughs> John got you covered in First John 2, 15. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life got it all covered. You're not going to get away from it, folks. You will be held accountable for that as well. The world killed our killed our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and when it gets an opportunity and the right numbers and the time appointed comes up, it's going to kill me and it's going to kill you, if you are who you say you are. If you do love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. There will be an opportunity, and it looks like it's coming fast. Now, 
not fast enough for me because I know the sooner it comes, the sooner we're going to get to see our blessed Lord and Savior. But the world's the one that told you it was round. The world's the one that sold all these lies on you folks. Paul warns you about it in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. We read it last program. But see, if you got a different Bible, you wouldn't have got it because it doesn't say that in the new versions. You wouldn't have got the warning in the ASV, NIV, New ASV, blah, 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 HIV, POS, S, well, I'm not going to say that, any other thing, you wouldn't have got it because they've taken it out. I wonder what them King James translators knew that everybody else did. <laughs> I wonder. But I'll just answer it for you. They didn't know nothing that nobody else didn't know. Just the Spirit of God is the one that was leading them, if you want the answer. That's, that's the answer. So you make your choice. Prove it to yourself. Come to your own conclusion in your own mind. Search it out. You'll come, you can, there's only so much you can search that subject on. You either take the word face value or you don't. You either take what the Bible says and don't have to prove it other than what the book says or either go out and prove it yourself. I mean, I'd still love to do that because it is important. It's deadly important that you know whether it's round or whether it's flat. Deadly. And I ain't heard a single, I hadn't heard a single one of the ones out there that's talking about it now bring out the point of why it's so deadly. Maybe the Lord will show it to them before I start talking about it. So I'll have more than just my my opinion. So I can have two or three witnesses. And he will. If it's the truth, he will. And I got to thinking about this deception, this timeline of deception and how multi-pronged it's probably going to be, folks. There will be one big, so to speak, the, because there's, um, you could put the lie in Second Thessalonians instead of a lie. You could put the lie there. That's up to the translator, and that's uh, up to interpretation. But it's there in the um, Greek that could be inserted, the lie instead of a lie. Both the same things, according to how you look at it. But I think it's going to be multi-pronged. Because the God of this world wants to suck every one of God's kids into the deception. And, I, and I'm just about fed up to my ears with hearing these people misquote the scriptures saying that even the elect can be deceived. Even the elect can be deceived. They don't know how to read English, undoubtedly. God manifest in the flesh says, if it were possible, 
they would deceive even the very elect. Isn't that what it says, Brother David? Yes, it does, Pastor. And I'm getting sick and tired of everybody fear-mongering the elect out there with their stuff saying, oh, the elect can even be deceived. That's not what the Scripture says. But it's going to be so bad that it's the, only the election is going to keep you from being deceived. Therefore, brethren, make your calling and election sure. As Peter, Brother Peter says in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not. Jesus Christ is in you. Except you be reprobate. Second Corinthians 13, 5. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice that downloads this program or in the chat room that's never came to a point in their life that they said, Okay, I am serving the Lord now. I make a conscious decision to trust Jesus Christ from that moment forward. Then you've never met him. Because the Spirit of God has never drawn you. Because when the Spirit of God draws you, there will be conviction inside of some degree. And you will come to a conscious decision of repentance, of turning away from everything in the past, and a turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, I didn't say you was going to be perfect, and I didn't say you wouldn't stumble coming right out the gate. But you better search your own hearts. If you just came into this uh, quote-unquote CI or Anglo-Israel just on intellectual basis, Check on you better check on yourself because intellectualism gets you nowhere. It's the heart. It's the heart. The intellectualism could have got all of our people in, but they didn't do it. Only a few got in to start with. He came into his own, our people as a nation, there, Jerusalem. And his own received him not. They killed him. But, some of them didn't, but as many as did receive them, to him gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He went through all that stuff, all the rigmarole of the first chapter, the first couple of chapters of the book of Acts. And I'll go over this again and again when we get into the book of Acts, because it lays it out. That heresy out there that's teaching that you're born, you're, 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 that just because your seed line happens to be Israelite and you're born a Christian and there's no such thing as personal reception of the mercy and grace of God is out of the very mouth of Lucifer himself. It's out of the pits of hell. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Because if it was, if it wasn't, 
if it was just hereditary, if it was just because you happen to be white and your genetic line runs through, and if your genes are so and so and so and so, then the whole the rest of the word of God's a lie. Throw it out. It's no good if that's the truth. If you can just all of a sudden decide, oh my goodness, I found out I'm Israelite. Well, I must be a Christian. You might call yourself a Christian. Then you might start trying to act like a Christian. But if there's no Holy Spirit conviction and there is no conviction of you understanding that you're as wicked as hell and you need covering by the blood of Christ, you're in the world hurt, folks. That's not my opinion. That's what the book says. Paul tells you in 1 Corinthians 2, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh, all right? In the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. How simple that is? But everybody believes in all kind of stuff, you know. That easy believism, that junk that, that's got these churches today filled with a bunch of reprobates. Race mixing. Godless. No discipline. No character. No true charity. That's what they're... So, quote-unquote, belief got them. Something was missing. It's not just that, quote-unquote, belief. There's another element, the drawing of the Spirit of God. And there's another element, the preaching of God's Word. The preaching of God's Word is so important. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, the book says, it even calls us preachers' feet blessed, <laughs> beautiful. Oh, my goodness. I think the Lord needs to get him some glasses. Now, my little old stubby feet ain't pretty. You say, did he, so, does somebody have to be preaching to me for me to be saved? It doesn't, not necessarily... The Holy Spirit will take the words of the gospel and preach them to you in certain situations. That's what people hand out little tracts for. Because it's the word God blesses in the end. It's the gospel of 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5 that God blesses in the end. But like Paul says, Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Whereby you, if, whereby you believe in that Christ died for you according to the Scriptures and arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. 
That is the definite article, the gospel of the grace of God. Belief in that, repentance of old life, belief in that, and a forward step in the right direction, that's what Paul's talking about. Christ said, if you believe me, you keep my commandments. Romans 10, 9 through 13. That if that uh, the whole part of the, the whole first part of the chapter, anybody could admit, that missed the context is blind. Paul talks about the Israelites that rejected him. He said, and they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves. Get that word, submit. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is Jesus Christ. Then right down below that, it says, What say thee? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, not the head, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, a person that gets it in their heart is going to talk it out their mouth and it's going to start bringing forth fruit. Belief in the heart, confess with the mouth. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be ashamed. I mean, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In, the verse, in verse 13 it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall not be ashamed. Got an email today from my brother. He keeps, keeps getting shot down because he mentions Jesus Christ in a public forum. They keep hammering at him, calling him everything but white. Because he'll start drawing their attention to the to the one that died for him. Amongst among all the persecution that he gets, he's remaining faithful, and the Lord's protecting him, and will continue to protect him. And there'll be a crown that he gets for just doing that little simple thing in adversity. Anybody can get around a people of like mind and talk about the Lord. It's when you are in a position to be able to talk about the one that died for you in pure hatred and opposition, that'll go through the fire. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, period. See it? That's a whosoever will. The elect go through the same process, but they were chosen before the foundation of the world. I heard Brother Hugh Ross. Somebody asked him a question. He is a, a brilliant, a brilliant scientist and uh, Christian apologist and a, an author and an astronomer that just take just, just shoots down evolution right and left. Always had has peer reviewed works. Somebody uh, down in Australia asked him a question about Calvinist, Calvinism about Calvinism and free will. 
And he answered it just like I told you guys. All right. <laughs> because if it's studied to the right, there's about eight verses that totally slam dunk Calvinism or predestination. There are all other kind of verses that talk about free will this, free will that, free will this, free will that. They're both right. <laughs> free will is for the whosoever wills. Now, Hugh Ross didn't tell say that because he don't believe that. He has no clue who, that he's an Israelite. And the chosen before the foundation of the world are the people born from God or the elect. That's the difference. They're both right. There's been wars fought over this. <laughs> The Armenians and Calvinists fought and killed each other over this overseas. And they're both right. Nobody's just brought to their attention what the Scriptures were talking about. And as far as I know, there's only one other bunch out there that even hints at it. And even they don't go as far as I do. Because they have, they th they think that the Jews are God's chosen people, but they make the difference between the bride and everybody else, and it's called the Baptist Briders. They were on the right track; they just take, didn't take it to its ultimate conclusion by their racial awareness and understanding who they were. I did, But anyway, now that I've got that out of the way, if you're, if, if you're trying to get all this stuff that me and Brother David talk about and all I scream and holler about just by, me, by mental intellect, you might as well just cut me off and go take a shower or turn on the TV and pop a top or whatever you want to do. Because if, unless the Spirit of God dwells in you, the only way you understand spiritual things is by the Spirit of God. It can't be understood any other way. There are certain things that can be understood. The natural things can be understood, but the spiritual things can't. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. So without an indwelling Holy Spirit to reveal this stuff to you, you don't stand a snowball's chance and nail. Understand, it's foolishness. It's ha, 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 horse laugh. It's that pragmatic stuff, see? You could take somebody that's intellectually sound with a high IQ and take another person that's been saved by the grace of God and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and is indwelt by the Spirit of God, and they can both read a chapter, and one person will read that chapter and say, hmm, and everything they tell you it means is going to be in black and white. And so the other person can read that chapter, and they'll say stuff, and that person that's never been born of the Spirit won't no more have a clue what they're talking about than Adam's house cat. And he'll think the other person's crazy. I had that happen right here, but five foot from where I'm sitting with one of those 
grand poobahs out there on the Internet. I'm not going to call their name. Didn't have a clue. This is the statement that was said. I don't see how two people can read a chapter of Scripture and come out entirely with two different answers. I just smiled and said, I do. (laughs) Happens all the time when you deal with people. You understand that. And after this person left, I had a visitor, a friend of mine, that had just moved down down here from uh, him and his wife and kids from South Dakota. And I said, come here, brother. I want you to read this chapter. And he read the chapter. And I said, I want you to tell me what the Lord shows you right here. And he went, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Verbatim what the Lord had showed me. He said, simple. He said, I understand. This is, this is, that's the Spirit of God working, folks. And it blew his mind when he found out who couldn't understand any of it. It blew his mind. Didn't blow mine. I had doubts about it the whole time. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But don't get me wrong. There's some things that the Holy Spirit holds back from revealing to for a certain time in your life or when you've gotten to a certain age in your life. See, it, it, it's all based on faith, folks and dependability and responsibility and your growth. See, how many is out there telling you that you, you have to grow as a Christian? In other words, you grow in stages. John's got them laid out in his epistles. A baby can't get meat. Paul tells the Corinthians, Hey, guys, I want to feed you meat, but you're not able to bear it yet. You're still on the milk. You're a babe in Christ. You're yet carnal. And some of the stuff that those Corinthians understood and got being baby and carnal, you got people out there today that's grand poobahs that don't understand what those carnal baby Corinthians understood. That sell books and are authors and so many people just think that their bathroom don't stink. And they don't have a clue when it comes to spiritual understanding. That's your bunch in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48, folks. I'm telling you. They better thank God that they're an Israelite. That's all I got to say. Anyway. I did not, I don't know why, I guess that was the Spirit of God, because I had no, I did not plan to do that, to go off in that direction. Anything you want to say, Brother David? I had no uh, idea. Just Ephesians 2.12, it says that um, they may take great pride in themselves being white or <clears throat> having Israelite heritage, but Ephesians Two twelve lays it out that uh, you were uh, you were separated from the covenants of promise and of Israel, and you were lost and without God. Read it, brother. So, read it. Read it to him. Read it yeah. to him. All right. Uh, here we go. 
Ephesians 2.12. No, just start. Just start in Ephesians 2.8. Okay. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And that was the point that I wanted to bring out, that being white isn't enough. These Paul wasn't preaching to people who weren't white and weren't ex-Israelites. He was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and he was preaching to them, but they had been divorced, and they had gone off, and they were lost and without God a long time ago. Absolutely. And so... They would have been lost and without God until the day they died unless they had received Christ. Of course, and that's what Paul tells them right there. You were without hope and without God because God divorced you. You're not Mm -hmm. my people. He tells you that in Hosea chapter 1. Amen. It's right there in Hosea 1 when he divorces us. You're no more my people and I'm no more your God. Amen. And, How and much plainer can you get than that? that? Amen. And in Christ, yes, made in Christ, it. you become the Israel of God. Again, that, you become that, back. That's correct. You're the Israel of God. That's correct. Galatians 6.16. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely, folks. That's, that, that's just the way it is. And ta- you, How many gifts have you ever seen that was your gift if you never received it? Hmm? Anybody ever buy your birthday present and set it down on the side of the road and you run around and did, did you just drive on by that birthday present and go tell everybody about all the birthday presents you got and they ask you where they're at? When you sit on the side of the road, you never received it. You don't possess it. You profess you got a gift, but you don't possess the gift. There's a difference between possessing and professing. But as many as received him, received him, that comes through preaching, conviction of the Spirit of God. So, enough evangelistic word for this. I, I had no idea where we are going to go in this direction. But that's just the way it is, folks. And if there's somebody in the chat room now that has no clue what I'm saying, you go back over this tonight, you get in, you get naked in a dark room and hash it out with the Father if it's important enough to you. And it, it should be as important as e- eternity to you. Okay? If you feel a tugging on the inside, somewhere or another, that's the Spirit of God. That's the way it works. I'm not going to slap you down but it's going to draw you. It's going to draw you. 
Anyway, two ain't it, brother, two ain't it. Okay. And if you do decide to do it, let somebody know because you confess with your mouth. If you keep it to yourself, the devil will know you're keeping it to yourself, and every everything in the world will hit you in the face and and let and try to tell you ain't nothing to that. You didn't you didn't do squat. That's just a bunch of words. You didn't do nothing. The devil will attack you. But once you confess him before men, it adds to your courage. Christ said, "He that confesseth me before men." Him will I also confess before the Father which is in heaven. I'm not making this stuff up, folks. But he that confesseth me not before men, him will I not confess before the Father. Okay? So let somebody know. You'll be a new babe in Christ and ready to grow because it all takes place instantaneously. The spiritual circumcision takes place instantaneously. Do you feel it? Nope. It's by faith. For by grace you say through faith. Through faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. In verse 6, Hebrews eleven six. For without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that believeth that he is he he that believeth in God must believe that he is is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. So let somebody know. If you're ashamed of him, he's gonna be ashamed of you. I know a brother there in the chat room today to shave him to the Lord. Praise God. I just wished I could be beside him when he's catching all that flack. I didn't say, folks, that you had to go out and be a pain in the butt to everybody you run across. I didn't, don't be like I was, okay? <laughs> I thought everybody wanted to hear what I just heard and go through what I just went through. I made a pure jackass out of myself, okay? I could not understand why the message that I gave, I gave them the same message I received, why didn't they receive it? I couldn't understand it. I didn't understand why some laughed. I didn't understand why some slammed the door in my face. I couldn't understand it at the time. I would have walked on glass on my knees to tell somebody about this wonderful grace and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some received it, and some didn't. And so it is today. You'll have some that will listen and some that won't. They never will. Because not everybody has eyes to hear, eyes to see and ears to hear. And everybody's not being drawn by the Spirit of God, no matter what the television has to say, or no matter what all these stupid, stupid, stupid multimillionaire evangelists try to say. It's just not that way. Never has been that way in all of our Christian history. Like when Paul talked to the bunch in Athens, to the whole Colosseum, 
got out there and beckoned with a hand and told them the whole story. He brought it all the way through to the death, burial, and resurrection. Some mocked him. Others said, we'll hear more of thee of this matter. And then it says, for it is so true. Some believed, and some believed not. And that's just the way it is. found it to be that way over 41 years, closing in on 42 years of ministry. Some will believe it and some won't. And it's getting less and less and less and less of true believers, true acceptance, true Christians. There's less and less and less. And there's more counterfeit out there than you can shake a stick at. How do I know that? By their fruits ye shall know them. can't get bitter water out of a sweet stream. That's just the way it is. Okay. Enoch chapter, what chapters did I send you to, brother? 18. 15. 18. 18. Yeah, go ahead. Let's go ahead and start reading here. Here, Enoch's um, being dealt with with the angels, and he's been taken up into heaven, being shown some things by some of these Angels, and we're just going to go through, I'm going to do a little bit of expository teaching as we go through some of these chapters and bring some things out to you that um I've, that I've never brought out probably before that is consistent with doctrine in the Word of God. Okay, brother, go ahead. Verse 1, I saw the treasuries of all the winds. I saw how he had furnished with them the whole creation and the firm foundations of the earth. And I saw the cornerstone of the earth. I saw the four winds which bear the earth, and the firmament of the heaven. Okay. Right there he described an enclosed earth. Period. He enclosed with foundations that move not. (laughs) The earth's fixed, folks. The only thing that moves is his earthquakes every now and then. And what manner of construction that is a globe has a cornerstone? There is no such animal. <laughs> exactly. No, no such a cornerstone. Animal. Yeah, a cornerstone is for square or flat. That's buildings. right. Amen, amen, amen. Continue reading, brother. And I saw the cornerstone of the earth. I saw the four winds which bear the earth and the firmament of the heaven. And I saw how the winds stretch out the vaults of heaven and have their station between heaven and earth. Vaults. There's vaults in heaven, folks. There's some vaults up there that the winds come from. And the firmament is that thing that the astronauts couldn't get through. Okay? That's that firmament. That's that enclosure that covers this earth. That's what the firmament is. We went through that the other night in Genesis chapter 1. That separates the waters from the waters, the waters beneath from the waters above. If you look in the Strong's, the word firmament, uh, one of the alternate definitions would be vault. That's correct. Absolutely correct. Go ahead, brother. Keep on. And have their station between heaven and earth. These are the pillars of the heaven. 
I saw the winds of heaven which turn and bring the circumference of the sun. Now there the, you have a circumference of the sun. But you, well, that's all you're going to see about that. The circumference of the sun. You know what a circumference is, don't you, Brother David? Oh, I sure do. It's round. That's correct. That's correct. Go ahead, Brother. I saw the the winds of heaven which turn and bring the circumference of the sun and all the stars to their setting. The, it's the, the sun and the stars that are moving that That's are correct. setting. That's absolutely, That's absolutely correct. Go ahead. I saw the winds on the earth carrying the clouds. I saw the paths of the angels. I saw at the end of the earth the firmament. Of the heaven above. The end of the earth. Balls don't have an end, folks. Mm. Balls don't have an end. They go round and round and round and round. <laughs> he went to the end of the earth, and at the end of the earth, there was the end of the firmament. Keep on, brother. Keep on. Yeah, so he's seen that, like, the Antarctic area, which surrounds the earth, where the vault or the firmament is meeting the earth. That's correct. That's the permanent of the heaven above. And I proceeded and saw a place which burns day and night, where there are seven mountains of magnificent stones, three, three towards the east, three towards the south. And as for those towards the east, one was of colored stone, and one of pearl, and one of jacinth. And those towards the south of red stone. But the middle one reached to heaven like the throne of God of alabaster. And the summit of the throne was of sapphire. And I saw a flaming fire. Now let me make a little comment about that when it reached up like the throne of God. That's probably the mountain that Satan took the Lord up on to show him all the nations of the earth. That's probably that mountain. That's just a guess, but that's probably the mountain that Satan took him to. To see all the nations of the earth. Go ahead, brother. Verse 9. And I saw a flaming fire, and beyond these mountains is a region, the end of the great earth. The end end of the the great earth. When it says there's an end, folks, there's an end. There's no end to a circle. You just come back to where he started. Now, like I said, I'm not saying this is Scripture, but the, the Word of God says the same stuff, folks. The canonized Scripture has Scripture after Scripture that got the same language. Enoch just backs it up. Go ahead, brother. Is a region the end of the great earth, and there the heavens were completed. And I saw a deep abyss with columns of heavenly fire, and among them I saw columns of fire fall. I want you to watch what happens here. I want you to watch this. Go ahead, brother. Which were beyond measure alike towards the height and towards the depth, and beyond that abyss, I saw a place which had no firmament of the heaven above and no 
firmly founded earth. Beneath it, there was no water upon it and no birds, but it was a waste and a horrible place. I saw there seven stars like great burning mountains, and to me, when I inquired regarding them, the angel said, This place is the end of heaven and earth. This has become a prison for the stars and the hosts of heaven, and the stars which roll over the fire are they which have transgressed the commandments of the Lord in the beginning of their rising, because they did not come forth at their appointed times. And he was wroth with them and bound them till the time when their guilt should be consumed, even for 10,000 years. Okay. This is, this is a bad, bad place that he's at right now. It's prepared. It was prepared for the angels and the hosts that transgressed. Does it sound familiar to Revelation chapter 22? Yes. Cast them into the lake of, the, the lake of fire which was prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Thank you, brother. Next chapter. Verse 1. And Uriel said to me, Here shall stand the angels who have connected themselves with women, and their spirits, assuming many different forms, are defiling mankind, Okay, whoa, whoa, stop. I've told you folks this. I've been telling you this forever. I can see it in the canonical scripture, but here Enoch just makes it plain. Read that, start start it first and read it again. Watch, these angels can change their form into anything. Alien, a little gray, it don't matter. Wait, read it again, brother. Okay, chapter 19, verse 1. And Uriel said to me, here shall stand the angels who have connected themselves with women, and their spirits, assuming many different forms, are defiling mankind, and shall lead them astray into sacrificing to demons as gods. They're forming, they can change shape, they're shapeshifters. Didn't Paul tell you in Galatians 1? About Satan transforming himself into an angel of light. What 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 matter therefore if his ministers be transformed into ministers of righteousness? And some of some of the idiots out there try to say, Oh, angel can't shape shift. Yes, he can. He can be an orb, like we were talking about before the program started. I started to get into it before the program started, but I didn't, because I knew I was going to hit it. I hit on it again. Just a little bitty ball of light and get to wherever they're going and just turn into a man. We're going to see some fire shortly that turns into a man. And I prove my point. Go ahead, brother. Here shall they stand till the day of the great judgment in which they shall be judged till they are made an end of. And the women also of the angels who went astray shall become sirens. Oh, well, I, don't know, I don't know a whole lot about that. I do know about what the Greeks teach about sirens, but those women 
that uh, went in with these angels are going to be sirens. I wish I knew exactly how deep that went, but there's something there. I haven't studied it out, so I don't know. Go ahead, brother. And I, Enoch, alone saw the vision, the ends of all things, and no man shall see as I have seen. That's the end of the chapter. Yeah, next chapter. Okay. Chapter 20, verse 1. And these are the names of the holy angels who watch. Uriel, one of the holy angels, who is over the world and over Tartarus. Raphael, one of the holy angels, who is over the spirits of men. Ragul, one of the holy angels, who takes vengeance on the world of the luminaires. And Michael, one of the holy angels, to wit, he that is set over the best part of mankind oh, and over chaos. Now I wanted you to see that. I wanted you to see that because in Daniel chapter 11, it um, Dan, the, this angel is kind of, there's a bunch of angels there, and one of them's Michael. And he says, this is Michael that standeth for the children of thy people. But here it says he stands for who, Brother David? The best part of mankind. Thank you. Just think about that now. Just, just let that sink in. Go ahead, Brother. Sarah Kale, one of the holy angels who is set over the spirits who sin in the spirit. Gabriel, one of the holy angels who is over paradise, and the serpents, and the cherubim. Remiel, one of the holy angels whom God set over those who rise. Okay, there's one little bitty thing here I wanted to bring out. Gabriel was set over paradise, and the serpents and the cherubims, what's missing out of this group? He just told you what a seraphim was. He just told you that the serpents are serpents. seraphim. That's correct. That's the reason in Genesis when it says the serpent beguiled Eve, it's talking about a seraphim. You see what I'm right. saying? Right, right. Hmm. Never seen that before. Next chapter. Uh, just making a note. <laughs> you see, these cherubim, the, the cherubim and seraphim are inseparable when being described, folks. And instead of using the word seraphim, he uses serpents, which immediately all you have to do is tie it in with Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field. He was present in paradise. You see, Gabriel's right up here. <laughs> all right, go ahead, brother. Okay. Chapter 21, verse 1. And I proceeded to where things were chaotic, and I saw there something horrible. I saw neither a heaven above nor a firmly founded earth, but a place chaotic and horrible. And there I saw seven stars of the heaven bound together in it like great mountains and burning with fire. Then I said, For what sin are they bound, and on what account have they been cast in hither? 
Then said Uriel, one of the holy angels, who was with me, and was chief over them, and said, Enoch, why dost thou ask, and why art thou eager for the truth? These are of the number of the stars of heaven, which have transgressed the commandment of the Lord, and are bound here till ten thousand years. The time entailed by their sins are consummated. And from thence I went to another place, which was still more horrible than the former. And I saw a horrible thing, a great fire there, which burnt and blazed, and the place was cleft as far as the abyss, being full of great descending columns of fire. Neither its extent or magnitude could I see, nor could I conjecture. Then I said, How fearful is the place, and how terrible to look upon. Then Uriel answered me, one of the holy angels who was with me, and said unto me, Enoch, why hast thou such fear and affright? And I answered, Because of this fearful place, and because of the spectacle of the pain. And he said unto me, The spectacle this, of the what? Of the, the pain. Of the pain. That's right. Go ahead. This place is the prison of the angels, and here they will be imprisoned forever. And the smoke of their torment riseth up forever and ever. Torment is pain, folks. Just thought I'd throw that in to all the nihilists out there. Go ahead. Okay, verse uh, chapter 22. Verse 1, And thence I went to another place, and he showed me in the west another great and high mountain, and of hard rock. And there was in it four hollow places, deep okay, and, this and is wide. Okay, this is really important. I want you folks to pay attention to this. He's giving you a up-close description of Abraham's bosom, Sheol, the Abuso, this is what he's, he's getting ready to describe. All right? Remember when in Isaiah 24 about those people that come up out of the pit? Remember in, in Ezekiel 32 about those people that go down into the pit with their swords under their head? Remember Isaiah 13 where the kings open the gates and call forth the giants to come forth? Continue, brother. Keep on reading. Okay, in this chapter, there are alternate, varied translation of, of several verses. So oh, I'll sure. read both. Yes. Okay, verse 2. And there was in it four hollow places, deep and wide and very smooth. How smooth are the hollow places and deep and dark to look at? Uh, that uh, same verse in a slightly different form states, and there were four hollow places in it, deep and very smooth. Three of them were dark and one bright, and there was a fountain of water in its midst. And I said, How smooth are these hollow places, and deep and dark to view? Then Raphael answered, 
one of the holy angels who was with me, and said unto me, These hollow places have been created for this very purpose, that the spirits of the souls of the dead should assemble therein. Yea, that all the souls of the children of men should assemble there, here. And these places have been made to receive them till the day of their judgment, and till their appointed period, till the period appointed, till the great judgment comes upon them. Okay, folks, keep in mind, though, as we're reading this, this is pre-crucifixion, this is pre-atonement, this is pre-emptying out of the center of the of these of emptying out of some of these places he's talking about now. We'll go to the New Testament and I'll show you the references in just a minute. Go ahead, brother. Verse five, first translation. I saw the spirits of the children of men who were dead, and their voice was forth to and their voice went forth to heaven and made suit. Then I asked Raphael the angel who was with me, and I said unto him, This spirit, whose is it whose voice goeth forth and maketh suit? Second translation, I saw the spirit of a dead man making suit, and his voice went forth to heaven and made suit. And I asked Raphael the angel who was with me, and I said unto him, this spirit which maketh suit, whose is it? Whose voice goeth forth and maketh suit to heaven? And he answered me, saying, This is the spirit which went forth from Abel, whom his brother Cain slew. And he makes his suit against him till his seed is destroyed from the face of the earth. Okay, let me remind you folks that the Lord told Cain, Thy brother's blood cried from the ground. Just giving you the can canonical reference of what he's talking about here. The Lord told Cain that his brother's thy brother thy brother Abel's blood cried from the ground. That's what they're explaining right here. Go ahead, brother. This is the spirit which went forth from Abel whom his brother Cain slew, and he makes his suit against him till his seed is destroyed from the face of the earth, and his seed is annihilated from amongst the seed of men. There, go, there, there goes your seed of the serpent. There goes your seed of the wicked one, annihilated from off the face of the earth. In the epistles of John, it tells you, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and of that wicked one was, in other words, the the um, stamp of approval on the seed of Satan comes all the way through to the epistles of John, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, it's in Second John chapter two, I believe. Go ahead. Yes, the tares among wheat. That's correct. Boys, uh, verse eight. Then I asked regarding it and regarding all the hollow places. Why, as one separated from the other? Alternate translation. Then I asked regarding all the hollow places, why is one separated from the other? Verse 9, And he answered me and said unto me, These three have been made that the spirits of the dead might be separated, and such a division has been made 
for the spirits of the righteous, in which there, as the bright spring of water, and such has been made for sinners when they die and are buried in the earth, and judgment has not been executed on them in their lifetime. That spring, of water, that spring of water, folks, is in Abraham's bosom. The reason you know that is because the rich man asked Abraham to dip his finger in water to cool his tongue. Amen. See, folks, all you got to do is just put Scripture with Scripture. See, just got to know the book. You can be able to tie this stuff in. Go ahead. Uh, verse 11. Here their spirits shall be set apart in this great pain till the great day of judgment and punishment and torment of those who curse forever and retribution for their spirits. There he shall bind them forever. And such a division has been made for the spirits of those who make their suit, who make disclosures concerning their destruction when they were slain in the days of the sinners. Such has been made for the spirits of men who were not righteous but sinners, who were complete in transgression and of the transgressors. They shall be companions, but their spirits shall not be slain in the day of judgment, nor shall they be raised from thence. Okay, then, there's no resurrection for these spirits. If you remember in Isaiah chapter, I forget, I think it's chapter 27, it talks about these are dead. It's the Rephaim, the dead, the Rephaim. They shall not rise. They are dead. They shall not rise. Tells you right here. These suckers, these spirits, these are Rephaim. They, it doesn't say Rephaim here. It tells you that their transgression was complete transgression. This would be the ones in the antediluvian era, era whose mind was on evil continually. They shall not rise. There will be no resurrection for them. And your second witness to this is in the book of Isaiah. It's in chapter 27, I believe. You remember me reading that, Brother David? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Verse 14. Then I blessed the Lord of glory and said, Blessed be my Lord, the Lord of righteousness, who ruleth forever. Next chapter. Okay. Chapter 23. From thence I went to another place, to the west of the ends of the earth. And I saw a burning fire which ran without resting and paused not from its course day or night, but ran regularly. And I asked, saying, What is this which rests not? Then Raguel, one of the holy angels who was with me, answered me and said unto me, This course of fire which thou hast seen is the fire in the west which persecutes all the luminaires of heaven. I hmm. wonder what that is. No telling. Yeah. It's the luminaries that don't obey the Lord. I know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 24. 
chapter 24, verse 1. And from there, thence, I went to another place of the earth, and he showed me a mountain range of fire which burnt day and night. And I went beyond it and saw seven magnificent mountains all differing each from the other. And the stones thereof were magnificent and beautiful, magnificent as a whole, of glorious appearance and fair exterior, three towards the east, one founded on the other, and three towards the south, one upon the other, and deep rough ravines, no one of which joined with any other. And the seventh mountain was in the midst of these, and it excelled them in height, and excelled them in height, resembling the seat of a throne, and fragrant trees encircled the throne. And amongst them was a tree such as I had never yet smelt. Neither was any amongst them, nor were others like it. It had a fragrance beyond all fragrance, and its leaves and blooms and wood wither not forever, and its fruit is beautiful, and its fruit resembles the dates of a palm. Then I said, How beautiful is this tree, and fragrant, and its leaves are fair, and its blossoms very delightful in appearance. Then answered Michael, one of the holy and honored angels who was with me, and was their leader. Uh, Next chapter, 25. And he said unto me, Enoch, why dost thou ask me regarding the fragrance of the tree? And why dost thou wish to learn the truth? Then I answered him, saying, I wish to know about everything, but especially about this tree. And he answered, me, answered, saying, This high mountain which thou hast seen, whose summit is like the throne of God, is his throne, where the Holy Great One, the Lord of glory, the Eternal King, will sit when he shall come down to visit the earth with goodness. And as for this fragrant that will, that tree... That will be the millennial reign, folks. Go ahead. Amen. And as for this fragrant tree, no mortal is permitted to touch it till the great judgment, when he shall take vengeance on all and bring everything to its consummation forever. It shall then be given to the righteous and holy. Its fruit shall be for food to the elect. It shall be transplanted to the holy place, to the temple of the Lord, the eternal king. There you go. Remember that? We dealt with that in Ezekiel 40 through 48, that tree. There's a difference in that tree in Ezekiel 40 through 48 than the one in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Verse 6. Then shall they rejoice with joy and be glad, and into the holy place shall they enter, and its fragrance shall be in their bones, and they shall live a long life on earth, such as thy fathers lived, and in their days shall no sorrow or plague or torment or calamity touch them. Then blessed 
I, the God of glory, the eternal King, who hath prepared such things for the righteous and hath created them and promised to give to them. All right, folks, always keep in mind as we're going through this pretty quickly now that this is pre-crucifixion. This is pre-blood uh, covenant. This is pre-new covenant. Don't forget that, all right? Don't forget that because things change. Go ahead. Chapter 26. And I went from thence to the middle of the earth, and I saw a blessed place in which there were trees with branches abiding and blooming of a dismembered tree. And there I saw a holy mountain, and underneath the mountain to the east there was a stream, and it flowed towards the south. And I saw towards the east another mountain higher than this, and between them a deep and narrow ravine. In it also ran a stream underneath the mountain. And to the west thereof was another mountain, lower than the former, and of small elevation, and a ravine, deep and dry. Okay, folks, this, is, this takes place in the middle of the earth. And you wonder why Brother Don talks about the middle of the earth. We just got through talking about a while ago some shafts for the people that died. Different shafts, four of them. Different sections. He didn't ever. He didn't give the dimensions or nothing like that, or necessarily the shape. But this right here, this paradise sounding place, is in the middle of the earth. Now I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to explain something to you about what this. And I'm going to totally jump topics. We're going to go back to, I'm going to talk about the quote-unquote aliens, which there's no such thing. All right? Anything they come up with in the future. All right? Anything that, remember what I'm telling you, folks. Anything that comes up, there's only two sets of entities. There's only two places these entities come from. All right? Two and two only. There's not three. There's two places. That's just considering they're not here on, on the surface of the earth. They either come extra-dimensional, that means through the veil, and to the other side of the firmament into an intersection or interdimensional area between where God's heaven is and the earth. That would be extra-dimensional. Or they come from under the earth. They come from under the earth. That would be the stuff that are, is nuts and bolts. That would be stuff like I told y'all the other night about the guy shooting and you could hear it hit. It would be that the physical stuff would be being done by people that were in the physical earth. The extra dimensional stuff would be physical, but yet it would be spiritual. It would not be subject to the laws of thermodynamics and time and space. But what came from under, underneath the earth would be subject to the same laws of thermodynamics as we are and would, would require material and physical stuff. That, that will give you an explanation for every single thing out there that they claim is unexplained and that they claim comes from other galaxies. And, and all of it's a lie. Totally impossible. And I'll take this time to say this. 
the real moon land, I'm saying the, ep, the, the epoch or the, the grand finale of what they claimed the moon landing was, such a great achievement. The essence of the achievement they claimed when they went to the moon, which they didn't, that was a lie. But what they're doing in Switzerland right now is that achievement. I'll say it again. The glory they claim they got from lying about going to the moon because they didn't. They're going to get that glory, and I ain't talking about a good glory. They're, they're, they're taking the trip to the moon, quote, unquote, right now in Switzerland because they're going down, down, down into something that's inside this closed earth, and they're dealing with dimensional particles, gateways. They're going to get their glory. They're going to get their glory. They're going to find that other dimension. They'll get their glory, and we'll see what it spits out. Where the one was a sham, this one is the truth. The moon landing was a total farce and fake and fraud. The CERN thing is actual facts and absolute, absolutely going on. No conspiracy, no lie. It's the truth. It is the truth. And there said, Bergalusi, the director said, we're going to open the door and something will come through or we'll send something back through. That's from their own director's mouth. Anybody can look it up and read it. Brother Brian's living over there where all that crap's going on. And I pray about it all the time for him because if it starts, so if dark matter comes through, I'll just say this. If dark matter comes through that door in big quantities and it's not contained, I want you to remember, Brother Don told you this. You're going to start seeing things happen that absolutely makes no sense. I'm going, I'll give you an example. It'll be like um, a mother walking down the street that's been married 10 or 15 years and, and just loves her child to death, all of a sudden you'll see her stop on the street and take her hand and reach in the child's throat and pull its guts out. Or either you'll see a mother and daddy and their three kids sitting, and you'll hear about a mother and daddy and their three kids sitting at the table at a high-class restaurant, and you'll see the daddy just start walk over and cut all three kids and start, cut their heads off. So I'm talking about stuff that makes absolutely no sense. That stuff will start happening if dark matter gets through uncontained. Folks, That's what I'm what that preacher was saying, too, that uh, was on that YouTube video that we uh, put the links in. Yeah. How the dark matter has the ability to change people utterly. Totally change you, totally change you. In other words, unless you are sealed by the Spirit of God, Unless you're sealed by the supernatural spirit of God Amen. in a world of hurt, folks. In a world of hurt. You ever wondered how it could be possible that a mother and father could hate their own child and deliver them up to death? Add a little dark matter. Add a little dark matter. Folks, the book is true. The Bible is literally true. 
Just throwing that out there. I want it on record so when it happens, you'll know I told you. Keep your ears and eyes open. Dark matter cannot be controlled. It can only be contained. And it is pure evil. That's the reason it's been contained in another dimension. By the mercy of our Father. Apparently they have been creating this um, dark matter at ever-increasing levels. They, When they first turned on the CERN, it was only a small amount that they were getting, and now they're getting oh, like they're 10, 20 they, times. Oh, that's fig- I was fixing to tell you that, brother. They've only been able to, I mentioned before the, uh, the program started, a gram. Mm-hmm. And that's all. But if they can, if they're successful in opening these doorways... They can get an unlimited amount. And folks, if it's not contained, just remember what I told you. Just remember what I told you, that you've been warned and you've been told. I've been studying this thing out for going on now for two years, and I'm telling you, this is a very strong possibility. Do you realize that the CERN project, for, as, for, for what they're doing in its viability, per capita has spent more money and is being funded more money than all the NASA project combined? What does that tell you? What does that tell you? That tells you which one was real and which one wasn't. That tells you the smoke screen versus the real deal. The only thing they're talking about, NASA is serious about now, is trying to figure out a way to get their Orion project to where it can pass through the radiation belt. Does any does, does is there a red flag in the world that's going up now? Go watch you don't believe me, go watch the, their own come out of their own mouth. They're trying to figure out a way to shield the ship from radiation going through the Van Allen belt. And they're telling it just like it's, oh, um, what does that tell you? I, I, I'm, what does that say? They never got through before. They ain't been, that's right. They ain't never been through it. That's the, that's the, see, that's the firmament. They ain't going to get through it. But to mention that, they just said, we never went to the moon. Well, according to everybody, what everybody believes, like they believe the earth is round. They believe all the the fake pictures NASA puts out. They believe that, oh, the stars are this far and the moon's this far. It's all a sham, folks. The biggest lie in history, the biggest lie of your generation was that they went to the moon. The biggest lie of the last three generations and the continuing on is that the world is round and we're just this ball flying through the universe and evolution. I ain't got to that tonight, but maybe I'll get to it in a minute. Anyway, I just wanted to get that out on record, recorded. Go ahead, brother. 
5. And all the ravines were deep and narrow, being formed of hard rock, and trees were not planted upon them. And I marveled at the rocks, and I marveled at the ravine. Yea, I marveled very much. Chapter 27, verse 1. Then said I, For what object is this blessed land which is entirely filled with trees, and this accursed valley between? Then Uriel, one of the holy angels who was with me, answered and said, This accursed valley is for those who are accursed forever. Here shall all the accursed be gathered together who utter with their lips against the Lord unseemly words and of his glory speak hard things. Here shall they be judged together and here shall be their place of judgment. In the last days there shall be upon them the spectacle of righteous judgment in the presence of the righteous forever. Here shall the merciful bless the Lord of glory, the eternal King. In the days of judgment over the former, they shall bless him for the mercy in accordance with which he hath assigned them their lot. Then I blessed the Lord of glory and set forth his glory and lauded him gloriously. Chapter 28, verse 1. And thence I went towards the east, into the midst of the mountain range of the desert. Now remember, saw, folks, he's in the middle of the earth. Don't, don't, don't let that say. He's in the middle of the earth. Go ahead, brother. And I saw a wilderness, and it was solitary, full of trees. And plants, and water gushed forth from above, rushing like a copious watercourse which flowed towards the northwest. It caused clouds and dew to ascend on every side. Okay, we're going to stop right here. We'll pick it up next time because I want to go a little bit further and show you folks some other stuff that's in the book of Enoch. Why don't you go to Jubilees right now, brother? Okay. And I'll set the stage of what I'm fixing to what I'm fixing to say. Before the flood, you heard me mention in the last program, folks, about how the angels that sinned, they were Enoch went and he we read that he went and and petitioned the Lord, the Lord God, for the angels that sinned, that God would have mercy on them. And he said, There'll be no mercy, they're gonna be chained for seventy generations. Okay? That was before the flood. Oh, and by the way, let me make mention of this. If it wasn't a worldwide flood, then the Lord's a liar because he promised Noah when they came out that there would never, ever be another flood like that again as long as the rainbow was in the sky. There never would be a flood that would, that would flood over everybody like that. Folks, do you know how many floods there's been in the last 6,000 years that's just slaughtered millions of people? Did, did the Lord lie? You you uh you isolated flutters. You see what I mean? You see what I'm saying, Brother David? Yes, I do. Just as plain as to see if you'd read and believe the context instead of trying to drag one word out and build a doctrine on one word, the Lord will show you something. 
There was no local flood. It was worldwide. And the Lord said he never would worldwide flood again. And he put a bow in the sky. If it was local, he was a liar. Simple and plain. Period. End of story. Okay, brother. Jubilee chapter 5. Okay, we'll yes. start read verse 4 first. Let's get before we get into verse 5. And now, about those angels. There was giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. Um, we know you about mean chapter 4? Or Jubilee verse? chapter 4. Okay. There, there, was, there was giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. Numbers 13.33 tells you the giants, about the giants. The Anakim, the Rephaim, the Zenjumims, there were giants. They were giants. And everybody thinks there was a second incursion of angels. After the severity of the punishment of the first 200 watchers, don't you think that they they go about, they're, they're not stupid, folks. They're immortal beings. They're wiser than Daniel. The Lord kept, the Lord hid some of the mysteries from them because he knew what they was going to do. He tells you that, all right? That he withheld some of the mysteries from them. But they're smart. They're genius. So how did giants get past the flood? Either there was a second incursion, and there's nothing written in Scripture about it anywhere, in the book of Enoch or anywhere else, that there was a second incursion. But there could have been, but there's a reason why. The Lord, he said, these guys, they said, they're just, their minds weak. I'm going to fix it where they can't do that that way. Where they can't have sexual intercourse with women, you say. And even if they did, it's not going to, they're not going to have offspring that way. Now, this is where we're fixing to read, as subtle as it can be. But I'm going to take this subtle meaning that it is said here in the book of Jubilees, and then I'm going to take you right to Daniel chapter 2 and show you the reference in the New Testament of where what he talks about in Jubilees took effect right after the flood. Okay, brother. Go ahead. Okay, Jubilees chapter 4. And in the third week, in the second jubilee, she gave birth to Cain. And in oh, the wait, fourth, wait, I, I, I'm sorry, brother. Just skip. Go, go. Just go on to chapter, the last of chapter four. Okay, yeah. There's two sections to it. Uh, Thirteen to thirty-three. The patriarchs from Adam to Noah. That part. And in this verse thirteen. No, no, no. I want to get further up. I want to get from Noah. I want, I want to get from um, Jared to Noah. Jared to Noah. Uh, I'm going there now trying to find it myself. I think uh, you would want this. Um, let's see here. Okay, I, I I think maybe start around verse 27. Go go ahead and read, and I'll tell you if you're there. Okay. And in the 14th Jubilee, Methuselah took unto himself a wife, 
Edna, the daughter of Azrael, the daughter of his father's brother, in the third week, in the first year of this week, and he begat a son, called his name Lamech. And in the fifteenth jubilee, in the third week, Lamech took to himself a wife, and her name was Betanos, the daughter of Barakai, the daughter of his father's brother. And in this week she bare him a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, This one will comfort me for my trouble and all my work and for the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And at the close of the 19th Jubilee, in the seventh week, in the sixth year thereof, Adam died. And all his sons buried him in the land of his creation. And he was the first to be buried in the earth. And he lacked 70 years of 1,000 years. For 1,000 years are as one day in the testimony of the heavens, and therefore was written concerning the tree of knowledge. On the day that ye eat thereof, ye will die. For this reason he did not complete the years of this day, for he died during it. And at the close of this jubilee, Cain was killed after him in the same year, for his house fell upon him and he died in the midst of his house and he was killed by its stones for with a stone he had killed Abel okay now if any of you that's read these extra canonical books you know that's contradictory to one of the other ones that gives an account of Cain's um, death so he was killed with an arrow according to the book of Enoch okay so I just wanted to let you know this is why this stuff and he one of the two he killed one of the what one of the two ways, but they contradict one another. So you have to be careful with them. I'm just going to bring that out. Go ahead, brother. For with a stone he had killed Abel, and by a stone was he killed in righteous judgment. For this reason it was ordained on the heavenly tablets, with the instrument with which a man killeth his neighbor, with the same shall he be killed. After the manner that he wounded him, in like manner shall they deal with him. See, that sounds good, but it it is not necessarily scriptural. Go ahead, brother. And in the 25th Jubilee, Noah took to him a wife, and her name was Emzara, the daughter of Rekil, the daughter of his father's brother, in the first year in the fifth week. And in the third year thereof she bare him Shem. In the fifth year thereof she bare him Ham. And in the first year in the sixth week she bare him Japheth. You still in chapter 4? Yep. I'm going now to chapter 5. Okay. Go ahead. Chapter 5, And it came to pass, when the children of men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the angels of God saw them on a certain year of this jubilee, that they were beautiful to look upon. And they took themselves wives of all whom they chose, 
and they bare unto them sons, and they were giants. And lawlessness increased on the earth, and all flesh corrupted its way, alike men and cattle and beasts and birds, and everything that walketh on the earth, all of them corrupted their ways and their orders, and they began to devour each other and okay. lawless. This 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 corrupting is kind after kind. It's genetic manipulation. It's birds, beasts. These angels absolutely turned the world upside down. Okay, they turned. You, you talking about no? They knew how to mix breed, mix with these animals, mix breeds with these animals. They knew how to make human chimera, all that stuff. All those centaurs, all the satyrs, all those supposedly mythological creatures that are mentioned in the Bible, the unicorn. I can go on and on and on. And probably that, even dinosaurs. Well, well, but of course they mixed with probably. They probably took God's dinosaur, which he calls behemoth in the book of Job, <laughs> and they took they mixed their and made and made something totally contrary to what God wanted to make. Okay. Amen. Probably since, the, if I know the Lord, and, and I think I do know him, what he may, every, according to the Word of God, everything he makes, he is good. It's good, okay? Mm-hmm. And the, 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 um, the reptilian crowd of dinosaurs that are meat eaters are, were probably genetic manipulations from the watchers. That's just a guess, but I'm guessing that, okay? Does that make sense, Brother David? Sure does. It looks like it to me. Like the, they were terribly fearsome creatures, and mm-hmm. doesn't sound like the Lord would make that. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Doesn't sound like it. That's just a guess, folks. Just, just my opinion. Since they messed everything else up and brought terror, and that's where blood drinking started. That's where vampirism started. Was antediluvian. They were drinking the blood. Blood is forbidden. Before the law, during the law, and after the law. Blood is always forbidden. I'm talking about completely forbidden. Because the life of the flesh, not the soul, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Um, Also, Don, wasn't it that they hadn't started eating flesh at this point? Mankind uh, was eating um, the fruits of the Probably eating fish, brother. Probably eating vegetables and fish. Yeah, um, I'm not sure about the fish, but they were given orders in the garden to eat of the, you know, vegetable diet, a vegetarian mm-hmm. one. But then later, the Lord relented to let them eat meat. That's correct. For some reason. That's mm-hmm. correct. But the, but so one at thing, this time, they wouldn't have been eating meat, right? Yeah, yes. But one thing that sticks out is he he tells them after he doesn't mention fish when he <laughs> tells them they can eat meat. He tells them they can eat red meat. See. Okay. Yeah. He doesn't see. He doesn't say fish in the list. It's right. not fish. So therefore, there's implication there that it was okay to eat fish before. Right. Okay. okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. just just mm-hmm. just a thought. Can't prove it, but it seems yeah. to indicate that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. Verse three. Each other and lawlessness increased on the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of all men was thus evil continually. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted its orders, and all that were upon the earth had wrought 
all manner of evil before his eyes. And he said, I shall destroy man and all flesh upon the face of the earth, which I have created. But Noah found grace before the eyes of the Lord, and against the angels whom he had sent upon the earth, he was exceedingly wroth, and he gave commandment to root them out of all their dominion, and he bade us to bind them in the depths of the earth. And behold, they are bound in the midst of them and are kept separate. And against their sons went forth a command from before his face that they should be smitten with the sword and be removed from under the the heaven. And he said, Thy spirit will not always abide on men, for they also are flesh, and their days shall be one hundred and twenty years. And he sent his sword into their midst, that each should slay his neighbor. And they began to slay each other, till they all fell by the sword, and were destroyed from the earth. And their fathers were witness of their destruction. And after this, they were bound in the depths of the earth forever until the day of the great condemnation when judgment is executed on all those who have corrupted their ways and their works before the Lord. Okay, now I want you to keep in mind that these giants, were, they, were, they were kept until the condemnation, till the consummation of the condemnation about these that he just got through reading, which will be in the day of the Lord and will be part of the wrath of God. Won't you keep that in mind? Go ahead, keep on reading, brother. Now watch what these okay. watch what these 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 uh, giants do, what they're allowed to do. Go ahead. Verse eleven. And he destroyed all from their places, and there was not left one of them whom he judged not according to all their wickedness. And he made for all his works, a new and righteous nature. Bull so, stop. Whoa, that right there. Here we go. This is what I wanted to show you, this subtle entrance in this book. So far, it's been spot on, historically and biblically. Talks about these giants, says he destroyed them. Now, after he destroyed them, the very next verse, watch what he says. Go back two verses and, and, and come through again, and I'll show you something. And he made for all his works a new and righteous nature. A new and righteous nature. It doesn't, there's no explanation for that. He didn't change people and all of a sudden everybody's righteous. This is after the giants are dead. This is after the angels are chained. He did. Is this after the flood? He did, that's right. He did something to the people. He did something to Noah and the rest of them, the women. They're, they're, there's just something there, this new and righteous nature, it prevented that second incursion like us to end that way, in that sexual intercourse way, to where it would bring about the same kind of destruction that it brought about pre-flood. Now, this is a guess. It's a hypothesis. Now, real quick, just keep your place there, brother, and turn to Daniel chapter 2 and read verse 42 and 43. Okay. 
the they that you're going to hear Brother David mention, the they, the T-H-E-Y, are fallen angels. They're angelic entities. They're supernatural beings. Now watch what he says. Daniel chapter 2, verse 42. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Bingo. See there? They cleave one to another before Genesis 6. I mean, in Genesis 6 to 10. They married them women. They had kids. But here, that cleaving don't jive. <laughs> it's being done a different way. Read that verse again, brother. Okay. Verse 43. And right. whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. There you go. That they are the supernatural beings, and it's talking about seed. It's talking about having kids. It's talking about birthing. That's the, that's the flavor of what it's talking about there. Okay? And it doesn't... And what, what was Adam made from? Clay, right? Yes. We're a clay. That's what we're... He's the potter, we're the clay, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, iron, they're, they're, the, they're typified as iron, and the iron now, at this time, doesn't mix with clay. It did before the flood, because the progeny proves it, but not after the flood. So it had to be done a different way. That's my hypothesis. Don't know if it'll hold water. It seems to. There's something there. He changed him. He changed the nature. Go back to Jubilee and read that again, brother. Read the, read the verse prior to it and then go into that verse. And he destroyed all from their places, and there was not left one of them whom he judged not according to all their wickedness. Okay. And Every one of them was, got, was dispatched and done away with from the, from the, from the life of, from the, from the world of man. Right immediately after the last one, is judged. Read the next verse, brother. And he made for all his works a new and righteous nature, so that they should not sin in their whole nature forever. Bingo. Should... See there? Do you see what I'm saying, Brother David? Is it coming through to you? Yes, it, it comes through to me. It does. He did something there, and it wasn't just the fact that he had gotten rid of all the uh, DNA line of the fallen ones, and nice. that only the righteous DNA of Noah was left on the earth and his sons, but he did something. That's because right. If, if if you were to argue, oh, well, that's just, you know, now the righteous DNA is left, well, that. God didn't do anything to them to do that. It was there, right? So he changed them. He changed them. Then the way you know 
that he says that they would never sin again forever. We know that's not true. But he's talking about the sin of the previous verse. That's the sin he's talking about. That's the context of that verse. We know they sinned because they had to be a Savior. See what I'm saying, Brother David? Yes. Go ahead, read it. And it says in their whole nature. There you go. That would be to mean like their actual DNA makeup, their whole nature, their whole everything, right? So they couldn't sin in that way. That would change their whole nature because they had a new righteousness. That's exactly. In other words, it was done supernaturally. He spoke Mm -hmm. that into existence. That's what the Lord did, where it was never going to be like it was just previously. Not just like that, okay? Not just, it wasn't going to happen the same way. So, Mr. Genius, Mr. Beautiful, comes at it a totally different way. Because what you read in Daniel 2.43 is, epi- is the very last episode of human history. And guess where we're at today, folks? And guess what's happening today, folks? There's some of these weird-looking suckers taking eggs and ovum. Folks, you can can laugh till you choke and fall back in it. That's just because you're, you're ignorant of the subject and haven't spent the time to study it out with a pragmatic look. Listen, just that, that thing, those videos that we put in the chat room. Go and watch those 12-part series from a Christian scientist. A matter of fact, a Christian genius scientist and an astronomer and an author, Dr. Hugh Ross. See what his conclusions he comes to. And every bit of his work was peer-reviewed by a bunch of atheists. And you know what they said? They couldn't find nothing wrong with his work except they didn't like that name, Jesus Christ, he used. That's what they said. You think that it's a laughing matter, huh? You think it's foolish and crazy. Oh, you think it's, it's um, cartoonish, huh? Well, just go watch that and see how cartoonish that is. Amen, Brother David? Yes. Brother Don ain't been lying to you all this stuff. I've done, I've done my homework over the last 40 years. In this uh, verse that we just read, we can keep in mind that Noah himself was perfect in his generations. There you go. And and so he wasn't perfect in the sense that he didn't sin. Well, of course not. But in his ability to procreate, in his generations that would spring forth from him, he was perfect and unspotted by fallen angel In his genealogical line. Exactly. In his ability to create genealogy in the future, he was perfect. And so when we read this, so that they should not sin in their whole nature forever, but should be all righteous, each in his kind, always. That's right. So... They, he had changed, and perhaps even the rest of nature, so that it would have the ability to remain pure, not without sin, 
but righteous in their ability to have genealogical DNA offspring. Right. In the previous way, in the previous M mode of operation, see? In other words, yes. the, the, I, don't, I thought I put it simply. The, 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 the changing of the nature is right there, mm-hmm. right after the verse. It tells you about uh, the, the culmination of everything that happened with the sexual intercourse thing, see? Yes. And the natural birth of these kids that were half mm-hmm. angel and half human. Mm-hmm. Well, he changed the right. nature where it could never happen in that way again. Yes. So what Mr. Genius, Mr. Uh, Beautiful did over the next 3,000 years, see, 4,000 years, they've been, that, this is what's going on today is a different way. And the last generation is Daniel 2.43, and the they there are the supernatural beings, and they're still doing, trying to do the same thing, but in a different way, and, they're, and it does not mix. Clay and iron does not mix. That's because of what the Lord did here in Jubilees 5. Yes. Huh. Amen. Anyway, and that's obviously what it's talking about. It's talking about that ability to procreate, that they, they won't be able to mix any longer in that way. That's right. Amen, Man, that's brother. That's great. I never seen that before. That's um it's just a, like I said, it's your hypothesis, but it makes sense. If you look if you look at all the past and look and you believe and know what's going on today. All right, and, there, and there's something else I, I'm going to take. What, how long have we been on, Brother Kevin? We didn't even get to Charles Darwin. Two and a half hours. Oh, my God. Well, it's Friday night. Probably lost everybody in the chat room. But anyway, I'm going to make... Is there anybody left in the chat room? Yeah, there's still yep. there. Okay, good. Praise the Lord. I appreciate it, guys. I'm sorry I went, got so long-winded, but this was important. I'm going to make this last statement. Brother David, you can go ahead and um and close it up because I'm, the statement I'm gonna make here, I don't think we're gonna go to any more scripture. I don't oh, okay. think. <clears throat> this is my own specific personal opinion about something, folks, and I'm gonna get woo-woo on you for a second. All right. Are you folks familiar with the placebo effect, Brother David? I'm talking to you. Yes. Oh, I certainly am. Yeah, that's when you give someone a, well, in medicine they did it. They gave someone a pill saying this pill will help you with this disease or help you feel better or whatever, and it's just the sugar pill. But it's the power of suggestion. It's the power of belief. Yes. Okay. I want you folks just to think about it. This, this is not hearsay. This is not funny farms. This is absolute fact, folks. There's been incurable diseases cured by placebo effect. Okay? I want you to think about that for a second. From about 2,000, from about 2,000 years ago, from the resurrection, I want you to follow me through on this. There was all kind of supernatural stuff happening right after the resurrection. And it was just a little band of believers that carried the gospel. And it, they, they, and they brought forth more believers. And more faith came about on this earth. 
and it scattered across through the Western nations, and it grew and it grew and grew among our white among the white Christian nations. The faith grew was strong, even though we have always been outnumbered on this earth. The belief was pure. It was strong. They believed enough to die for it. Over the years, a lot of the supernatural stuff started dogging off, tapering off. I'm talking about in the Western white Christian nation world. That's why I'm not talking about in Ubangi, Africa. I'm not talking about in China. I'm not talking about in India. I'm not talking about in Bangladesh. I'm talking about where the Christian message and our race is present. And Christianity was got was strong and got stronger and stronger and stronger. Because and then you they believed in the Lord enough to die for him. That's strong faith. Okay. This belief, this is my opinion, this is a hypothesis that Brother Don has had for about 15 years. I was studying one morning and the thought struck me. Is this possible? Now I'm going to run it by you guys and it's going to be recorded. If the placebo effect can affect brain chemistry to the point to where it can heal absolute deadly diseases, tumors, all kinds of things, then there must be more to belief than just quote-unquote belief. I'm of the opinion that in a strong, solid belief, the brain, there are certain areas of the brain that produce something that we don't know, some kind of frequency that we don't comprehend right now. That something takes place that we haven't been, we don't know what it is to measure it, but it's there. Because it, re- it reacts in a physical way, it's it's an, an it's a it's a spiritual thing, but has a physical it's a spiritual thing, but it has a physical reaction. Okay, keep that in mind. As the white Christian nation spread and the gospel was spread, have you ever noticed reading back through history how what all of a sudden things that were believed in prior started tapering off. I'm just going to call it what the world calls it today, superstition. Or supernatural acts, so to speak, other than God's supernatural acts, started tapering off. In other words, one thing pushed something else out because more people were not believing that. Quote, unquote, believing that. The frequency in their mind changed. And the Western world 
The Western white Christian nations wound up being the most successful, pragmatic, and I use that word loosely, scientific, I use that word loosely because of science falsely so-called, but I'm talking about real science. I'm talking about Hugh, um, um, Hugh Dr. Hugh, I don't forgot his last name now. What was his last name, brother? I'm sorry, I forget. But anyway, like him, that's the kind of people I'm talking about. That kind of pragmatism. That that kind of natural science. Grew and grew and grew. And all of a sudden, the little things that people saw got fewer and fewer and fewer. The dark supernatural thing became relegated to superstition and fairy tale. But I submit to you that it was not fairy tale that it was real. Every single bit of it was real. The manifestations, the quote-unquote little fairies, the little green, the little men, the ogres, the different things of, of say for instance, Grimm's fairy tales. You did know that they were based on true happenings. You need to go check that stuff out, Okay. But anyway, that belief, in my opinion, put forth a frequency to where these creatures could not live in our dominion, in our domain, in our dimension, on a larger scale like they had for the previous thousands of years. People just didn't dream these things up, folks. They just didn't dream satyrs and... Uh, unicorns and and uh, all these bad things like it talks about in, in the book of Isaiah. These giants, that's all real. It got to even so bad a point that when Charles Darwin came on the scene and atheism came out of the Renaissance, or the quote-unquote enlightened era. And natural selection is supernatural. Not only did these other beings have to morph into their own dimension again, but the lack of belief amongst our Christian people in the supernatural worldview of God Put a damper on, and I'm, and the Father can do anything, okay? But remember what I quoted to you, Hebrews eleven six, a while ago, earlier, to begin the program. The lack of belief in the supernatural worldview, which the resurrection is the is the coup de grace of supernaturalism. That healing slowed down. Disease curing slowed down because of our quote-unquote pragmatic look at things. And the atheistic Charles Darwin idea just added fuel to that fire. And the one behind this timeline and pushed little Charlie Darwin on the scene was no other than Lucifer himself. You kill the belief system. 
You kill the antenna, you kill the antenna on the DNA that's, that, that is concerned with belief and true faith. Then you start open, you, making, you start making the veil thinner and thinner and thinner for supernatural, the supernatural bad side to make a debut. Because the same antenna is not believing in the supernatural good side. Therefore, the light gets dimmer and dimmer and darkness creeps in more and more and more. And this frequency of belief is only put out by true believers. that take the Word of God for what it says, the way it says it, and believes it because God said it, then that frequency rings out, rings out, rings out, rings out. The less you have of that frequency leaning out, going out, the more you open the veil and the door to the dimension of the dark side. Has anybody, has anybody decided to take me up on my offer the other day and check out the exponential growth, the timeline on this supernatural stuff that just went crazy, vampirism, the sightings of UFOs, alien abduction, Little creatures overseas in Great Britain and Scotland starting to be seen more and more and more. You recognize something to what I'm saying? CERN's trying to break down the wall to let these suckers through from the extra dimension. And at the same time, you don't have real believers, real faith that sends out the, the, the frequency of God. The Word of God the unadulterated belief in His Word then darkness creeps slower and slower and slower and it's exponential and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm telling you, your DNA sings, folks, is what I'm telling you. It sings. It sings to the Father. You know, Don, uh, the company uh, 123 and Me that does DNA testing, what they do now as part of their service is they put your DNA to uh, resonance to uh, music notes. Really? And Yes. I've heard mine and my daughter's, and they have it now in, in pattern. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. I didn't and know it, that. The, the more, the, what I've seen is the more, and this is only out of two people, so. But what I've seen, and, in, in, well, from samples that I listen to as well, the more European you are, or the more white you are, the higher the notes. 
make sense. But it, it, but it. I don't care if you're Rh negative, full blooded Aryan, and you're wicked. The tune oh, is no not question. going. No question. The tune is not going to be pleasing to God. Right. And if it's not pleasing to God, it allows strength to be gained by the dark side. Is what I'm saying, folks. I'm but saying see, that it, belief. That belief that is strong in our people can be turned alive and used for God to believe, uh, to, you know, do all these things in the name of Jesus, miracles, healing, absolutely people get saved. Didn't he say, did not he say used, the things that you see me do, you'll do greater? Yeah, amen. And where it can be used conversely to see this wickedness, revi- you know, this revival of wickedness oh it's re- it's not only revival it's like a rushing it's like a mighty rushing wind yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all over the white christian nation it's always been in those other lands folks but it's we have the ability to, to do that on a, even a higher level than the other peoples of course the, the point the, but let me just boil it all down and we'll end yes. this program and i'll pick it back up monday night what I'm saying, folks, is everything you ever, in your worst fear, though as a child, that you were told didn't exist, I'm telling you, because of our unbelief, it, it feeds the other dimension to where they will make their self known again. And if you don't believe it, read the book of Revelation and read the book of Isaiah. If you don't believe it, just read the book. It's not metaphors. It is not allegory. Men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking at those things which are coming upon the earth. Men's hearts don't fail them in a big way because of thunderstorms or an army approaching. This is a specific Hearts failing them for fear. The less believers, true believers there are, the more wickedness, the more wicked entities will enter this realm. I believe that with all my heart, and I think if it was tested, it could be proven really scientifically. I really do believe that. I've been studying that for 15 years, the first time I've ever put it on record. Because I believe the Bible. And I know that all these people that claim, that, that they, they, they profess, all these mega churches that profess, they don't possess. Or else the dark side would not have a snowball's chance. There's no shame anymore, folks. There's no shame. When it gets all the way to the Supreme Court to where two faggots can marry, there's no shame. There's no outcry. There's been 50-something million babies killed. A blood sacrifice for the other dimension. Now they're talking about killing the older people. Euthanasia. Do you think that there's not repercussions for that? 
just the very presence of God's true Word being preached and taught, whether it be Israelite or whether it not, has an effect. Prove that. Haile Selassie in Africa during his rule in Africa when he claimed he would, had been saved and turned everything Christian over there. Check is that. Check it out. You think I'm making this up? Go check it out. The King James Bible was lifted up and the Word of God was proclaimed. There was peace during Haile Selassie's time. But it was not the person. It was the book. And it was the preaching and teaching of the book. Immaterial about the people doing it. There's power in this book, folks. I, all this pragmatic thinking, all this crazy stuff I've been screaming about for two years. It's supernatural. It's not just black words on white paper between two leather pieces. It's the Word of God. He spoke the universe into existence with His Word. The word in the Hebrew where it says, In the beginning God said, Let there be light. The Hebrew said means that's called something out of nothing. Literal supernatural act with His Word. And in the book of Psalms, He says He magnifies His Word above His very name. Not my opinion. So you will see more fruit individually and as a group and as a city and as a county and as a state wherever the real Word of God is being put forth. Ergo, the Bible Belt. Eat your heart out. I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't make this stuff up. Argue with it. Pragmaticize it away. Explain it away. We'll pick up um, Monday night, and we will really we'll get to Charles Darwin, and I will I will go down through this since it's been since um, evolution has been put on the scene. I'll show you how the lie has absolutely infiltrated the churches and the the brain set of all of our children, and the fruits of it and everything, and how it is dying. It that evolution's on its last leg. We'll get into that this Monday night. Is there any um any questions in the chat room? No, sir. I do apologize for keeping everybody so long, but it it it, it just kept on going. I apologize. Uh, but um, I hope you can take time and go back and listen to it again. If I put you to sleep, I'm sorry. Uh, Brother David, you got anything you want to say? No, no. Okay. All right. If there's no questions, and Brother David hasn't got anything he wants to add on to it, then we'll close for tonight, and uh, we'll pick back up this subject this coming Monday night.
and we'll be back this coming Friday night with uh, Luke chapter 4, part 4. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given me the liberty tonight, Father, to speak your word. I, I thank you for Brother David that, that read out of the book of Enoch, Father, and I, I thank you for the, the Spirit of God, Father, because the Spirit of God is the only thing that can take the words that's been said and, and, and do a work with them, Lord. All we can do is be a mouthpiece. I pray that you take the words, the ideas, the thoughts that's been put forth here, Father, even whether they be Scripture or not. Your Holy, your, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit can use anything that's said for your benefit, Father, and I hope, I pray that your benefit will be to your people, to the hearers and to the downloaders. Father, I pray that you would continue to give some of the ones in the chat room the strength to continue to proclaim your Son, Jesus Christ, to a lost and dying world. And it doesn't matter, Father, if nobody listens. We know you're listening. We know you're smiling every time your son's name's mentioned. We love you and want to see you soon, Lord. But we know this is probably going to get a whole lot worse because that's what your book says. I pray that you'd meet back with us this coming Sunday night. Give everybody a good weekend, Father. Bless them according to your will, Father. A tremendous blessing, financial, health-wise, everything. The ones that's in pain, Father, I pray you give them requite from their pain. Yeah. The ones that's financially in trouble, Father, I pray that you'd give them a financial blessing, Father. Yeah. Health-wise, I pray that you'd heal the ones up, Father. You've got problems in the family, anybody out there, I pray, Lord, that your, your supernatural angels would move in, solve those problems, Father. Yes. Lord God, there's nothing that you can't do. The problem is, will you do it, Father? Because everything, every prayer that's prayed has to be according to your will. For just as you said in the epistle of John, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition we desire of him. Lead us and guide us into that direct will, Lord, so that we may know it and pray it and see and reap the benefits of answered prayer. Love you. Want to see you soon. We pray all these things in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Good night, night, Pastor Don. Good oh, night. Do you want me to Good. give your yes. contact? Yes, go ahead and give out the contact okay. information, brother. Okay, telephone number for Don Spears Ministry, 334-397-2333. That's 334-397-2333. Email, joydon1953. That's J-O-I-D-O-N-1953 at yahoo.com. Mailing address, 3155 Louisville Street, apartment D1, Clio, that's Clio, C-L-I-O, Alabama, zip 36017, 36017. Thank you.
Thank you very much, brother. God bless each and every one of you folks. Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday night. Thanks, brother David. Great job. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Good night, all. Good night. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.